Hey, this is Kyra, and you're listening to Happy Little Accidents. This week, we're going to be talking about what your art collection says about you. So this week, we're diving into the psychology of art and obviously what your art collection says about you. So the title, Art Collector, seems to be this intimidating and mysterious figure, right? And so people who either are looking to start a collection or just join the art world um, can be considered an art collector, in my own opinion. But simply an art collector is anyone who owns as little as three pieces of art. And obviously, how someone collects art is really up to them. So with that said, how do we differ collecting art and buying art, right? So art collections aren't just a couple of pieces of work grouped together. They're well-planned with years of research or interest creating a certain narrative. So now you may be wondering, hmm, okay, how do I get from buying art to being an art collector, right? And I would break down that that art collector has two um, foundational pieces. And that'd be one, having a central theme, what revolves around their art collection. And this could be a notion or something that really motivated them to start collecting art. It might be one piece of work, it might be a time period, but something that really brings everything together like the nucleus. And then organization to the collection. How is the collection organized? And then that obviously can go into different ways of how you'd organize a collection or um, time periods etc. Right. So just taking a step further, um, many collectors fall into five categories. And I would break it down that one, I think the most foundational basic level is that someone's buying work because of art appreciation. They appreciate that work. Right. That'd be number one. Um, The next would be they're buying the work as an investment. And I don't like art as a short-term investment. Obviously, as a long-term investment, but something that you actually love. So it being twofold and not just an investment. But there are people who do buy it as an investment. And then I would say the next one would be when someone is buying the work as a level of status, elevating yourself in society. And lastly, buying that work as a piece of power, um, giving yourself power. And that's obviously in terms of price, exclusivity of the work, the artist being able to buy that piece. So I would break that down as what collectors usually fall into. So what compels someone to buy not only art, but a specific piece of art is fascinating. Collectors who fall into that art appreciation sector are genuinely interested or inspired by a piece of work. And this inspiration is connected to their emotional reaction to the piece. At the foundation, the buyer resonates with the work. And collectors who are looking for an investment piece usually make up a smaller portion of buyers, but obviously they're motivated by the financial aspect. And bluntly, the end goal is to make a profit. Now, the issue here is determining the future value of work. Um, So diving deeper, there are collectors who are buying from emerging artists with the anticipation that their careers haven't peaked yet. And when it does, this will translate to a payout. And collectors who are looking to convey a statement, be it either for social or political sectors, gravitate to works that are in line with current events. And these collectors often support the uh, perspective, um, their political views or just commonalities in thought process or certain public issues. And then collectors who are looking to enter the art world and everything that comes with it are attracted to the story. It's not simply the notion of purchasing an aesthetically pleasing piece of work, 
but instead it is a series of experiences from studio visits to dinners to openings. These all add value to the piece for them. Now, the last type of collector I mentioned is the one who buys for power. And these collectors with their pieces are revealing their status, their exclusivity. This collector is also driven by their emotions or wants in regard to the art. And this goes past that art appreciation of the work to a personal level. This work resonates with them on two different separate levels at that same time. The art of collecting has changed over the past couple decades. During that time, the art market has grown rapidly with new spaces for new art to be seen from auctions to international presence at art fairs and the rise of the mega gallery. In addition to the new amount of prospective buyers, these buyers range from property developers, hedge fund investors to millennials alike. But for all these buyers looking to get their hands on a piece of work often run into a universal dilemma. They have the cash flow, but not able to gain access, and this derives from the relationship with the gallery. Often emerging artists represented by smaller galleries are looking for patrons who will have consistency in regards to buying that artist's work, but the work from established artists and represented by mega galleries require an art advisor or at least a relationship with the gallery. I thought it'd be fun to dive into some celebrity art collections and how they fit into the categories that I mentioned previously. So I'm going to be starting off with Sean Combs, aka P. Diddy. And the reason why I'm starting off with him is because Carrie James Marshall is one of my favorite artists. And so at Sotheby's auction in May of 2018, Marshall's Pastimes 1997 sold for a record-breaking $21.1 million, which is the highest price for a living African-American artist. But before before 2018, Diddy and his art advisor, Maria Brito, have looked at the likes of Ruben Ortiz Torres. So Diddy comes across as a collector for not only art appreciation in his way of supporting African-American artists, but power. He's a mogul and he's setting a new record at an auction speaks exactly to his ability of being a mogul. So moving on to Beyonce and Jay-Z's collection, um, their collection includes a work by Samuel Levi Jones, but in their case, many of their interactions with artists have been on a commission basis and being involved in the artistic process from Tyler Mitchell to Damien Hirst, their relationships with artists show that their involvement in the experience is extremely important and it's not simply just for the work. On the other side, Barbara Streisand is a passionate art collector fitting into that art appreciation personality. Specifically, her collection of folk art dates back to the 1992 Clinton inauguration, and she was really enamored with the White House collection, and she wanted to immerse her environment with what American artists have contributed to the country. So, Honestly, though, if I had to trade places with a celebrity collector, it would have to be Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats, hands down. From Kende Wiley to Jordan Castile and Nina Chanel Abney, Carlita Lopez, just to name a few, the couple have dedicated collecting African-American art and highlighting their work. I mean, the names go on like Dana Lawson, Henry Taylor, and Derek Adams. In addition, Swiss Beats has the largest collection of photographs by Gordon Parks, which is amazing. So Artsy conducted an online art collector report in 2019. I found it interesting that collectors on average purchased about eight pieces of work annually. Now, I was more interested in understanding the process of each of these works in terms of um, its anticipation in the timeline of 
being interested to actually purchasing it and was there a specific artist, but in a 12-month period, eight pieces of work seemed to be the average, which seemed to be a relatively good amount in a metric sense. So now something even more interesting, which goes a little bit off topic, but relates to the current world crisis, was that two-thirds of collectors that they surveyed have purchased art online in the past. Even more interesting was that 75% or more spent their annual art collecting funds online. Now, obviously, you can argue that the disconnect in seeing a piece of work versus seeing a JPEG, of course, but you can also argue that the clout of a work may reign over the aesthetics. So to that point, 35% of these collectors purchasing online were buying art as an investment with obvious expectations that the work would rise in value. Now, I think the most interesting aspect of the survey was why someone would want to buy art online when the culture of the art world is very much social. But time and convenience were a large factor, along with the competitive pricing. Interesting enough, avoiding the intimidating art world was actually a factor too. Now, before I did mention that on average, these collectors were purchasing a about eight pieces annually, but their access to the work was the issue and why they did not purchase more. Now, out of these online buyers, half have been accumulating work for less than a decade, and many were millennials, but the age wasn't a factor in the likeliness to buy online because many of these collectors buying online were between the ages of 35 and 44. So this point really speaks to the business model of collecting versus catering to the younger generation. But now you have to wonder, is the transition to e-commerce targeting younger collectors or is it catching up with the universal business model? The survey also found that passion was the largest driving factor for art collectors. The characteristics like work qualities, the background story, how it mostly impacted the collector presided more important over the social and financial motivations, like specifically which gallery was selling the work. Yet men and women actually had different reasons for collecting works. Specifically, women were more likely to purchase art for supporting the artist, while men were more likely to purchase art as an investment piece. Now, we have to take into account that these collectors who were surveyed were spending less than 5000 on art yearly. And in regards to these collectors who were spending 5000 or less, they accounted for 61% of people buying art in the survey. Obviously, the higher the budget for the collector resulted in them purchasing more work. Now, with the higher budget for purchasing work actually resulted in buying directly from the gallery. While there was actually a stark change in the likeliness to buy at auction when an annual budget was over 50000 or 50000 But buying from another collector or working with an art advisor or just even using an online platform actually didn't change regardless of the budget. But realistically speaking, on art as an investment, regardless of how people say that the art market is safe or that, you know, art market is a safe asset class, considering a collection as an investment solely is more detrimental. Yes, similarities exist between the art and the stock market, but the art market is not the stock market. And you cannot buy and sell as easily. Art is not giving you dividends. It's not earning interest in the same capacity, it's not as transparent, and you cannot just expect a payout when holding on to that work. So in addition to that point, the beauty of selling a work is when it's fresh to the market, not just trading hands every second. So with that said, how do you go about collecting them? 
Art alone is already complex. Adding the commercial aspect to it makes it a unique experience. Passion, politics, and pay collide, which intensify the experience, to say the least. With the influence of social media, it has opened the gates for everyone. In this day, artists are using social media as a platform to voice their opinions, promote their works. Galleries and contemporary museums alike consistently show similar works by the same artists. Art fairs are all the time popping up now, creating more avenues to exposure to art and for new faces to join the world. Curators are in high volume, and simply art dealers and collectors are oftentimes one. But with that said, there's still consistency to the market. There are artists who are unfazed by the trends. There's collectors who wait and are motivated by the work versus the fluctuation in the market. So honestly, starting off your collection, a collection of work that you can live with, you should step away from the market. Get to know yourself through art. Find what you like, maybe question a little bit, and don't buy anything off the back. This is a beautiful phase to be in. Once you're ready to buy work, think about the long term. How will my relationship with this piece be in 5, 10, hell, 20 years? And this is really going to get you thinking about where you see yourself and how that piece or just how art actually fits into your life and not just on your wall or the conversation piece. Taking the time to get to know a piece and getting to know an artist means that paying the full price will work out in the long run in terms of gallery relations and just value honestly. And as you get to know the artist and the piece, that price tag is going to resonate with you more in some capacity. Now, the market is intimidating and that isn't going to change, but what does change the market are people who don't follow it, but follow their gut. Diversify your experience, make the market your friend. And then getting to know the artist of your work makes for a great learning experience. I mean, who knows their work better than them? So regardless, if you're academically driven or financially driven, collecting art's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. So once understanding the motivations behind buying art or what your personal motivations are behind buying art and what kind of art you are looking to buy, I think it's important to touch on the aspect of additions. So when you look at print work and photograph, often there are additions. It's simply a multitude of the work, maybe one of 100 or maybe one of five, but there's still one of a kind. The plus is that the smaller the addition makes the piece rarer than others. I think sometimes people don't always understand additions and might think it might be quote unquote lower quality work. I think it's good to understand the artist and what kind of work they put out if they work usually in print and then at that point determining what kind of work you want to collect. But knowing what an addition is, it's super important. So now on the other hand of art collecting, there's many collectors who have opened up private museums. Jay Tomlinson Hill has four beacons, 10 war halls, and the list goes on. But with all this work, he decided to open up a museum. Hill was the vice chairman at Blackstone Group, a private equity firm, and originally opened up the museum in Chelsea in a two-story location. His collection in 2016 was valued at $8 million and had a mixture of old masters, contemporary, and modern pieces. His reasoning for opening up the museum was to provide access to city students with an art education. 
providing them with that. Now, often private museums are looked at with mixed emotions as establishments for tax exemptions. Yet in this case, the tax benefits were part of the foundation to opening up the space. And in regards to the IRS, when looking at a private art organization, there's two sides. There's the personal motives and the actual art operating side, which is completely justified. So the question with these various within various individuals looking at these private museums is, are the tax breaks fair at all? Another museum opened by collectors is the Rubel Family Collection in Miami. Its location makes it an essential stop during Art Basel, Miami Beach. The museum is founded by Donald and Mira Rubel and have been involved, both of them have been involved in the contemporary art scene for more than four decades. They also played a large role in the transformation of Wynwood. The museum's location is actually previously a DEA warehouse for contraband. Obviously, I personally don't know an artist who looks for their work just in the warehouse. These collectors open up the opportunity to display pivotal pieces of work that could have been left in the private sector. Public and private museums obviously differ when it comes to finances, but publicly funded institutions often facing budget cuts. There's a new experience when collectors open their own cultural institutions versus when they lend pieces to museums. The difference is their involvement in the creative process. Also, many private museums hold a position to bridge the exposure gap from artists just receiving their MFA to making it inside some of the most well-known museums. These collectors are able to be involved in the development of their careers. Starting an art collection isn't only about the collector, but also supporting the creative community and in turn the economy. No one likes the phrase struggling artist. Honestly, it's not funny at all. But without purchasing artwork, then artists aren't able to economically thrive, which means that cycle of them producing more work. Now, this doesn't put pressure on everyone to go out and buy artists' work, but it's good to know that when you are collecting work, that getting to know the artist and what you're buying is obviously bigger than just the piece you have. I've talked about the initial moments of collecting art, the emotional, the mental, the physical, and the financial aspects, but I have also talked about art collectors with soaring collections, opening up museums who had warehouses full of art. And there's a lot of glitz and glam to a museum and art collecting and the esteem, but a big piece of the puzzle is collection management. What do you do when you have these amazing pieces of work in your hands, in your house, in your warehouse? And so obviously there's a lot of misconception also between art advisors and art collection management management or managers. So collection management is going to dive into inventory specifics on the artwork from currency that it was purchased in, insurance value, shipping details, purchase details, and condition. Um, An art advisor, on the other hand, does that and can do that, but also helps shape the collection with the client. They can actually streamline the process of gaining access to primary and secondary markets. And art collect collector managers aren't necessarily interested in the acquisition of a piece, but instead advocating for that piece of work after it's already in the collection. As a budding art collector, it's good to understand the potentials that one's impact could have on the art world. And obviously, it's important to know the collections come in all sizes and forms. And that brings me to corporate collections. So businesses and corporations have been investing in art dating back to the Italian Renaissance. Actually, the first corporate collection dates back to Siena during the Renaissance in 1472. The corporate art collection served as a symbol of status. So fast forward to the 20th century in 1950, where David Rockefeller thought that Chase Bank should start acquiring art. 
And now many Fortune 500 companies are actively collecting. Investing in art from a corporation standpoint allows for companies to shape their brand and image overall forming a personality. Experts have actually found that artwork inside the um, workplace can lead to creative stimulation. This placement of work sometimes from emerging artists or mid-career allows for exposure. Now, the exposure to the public is obviously up to the companies. Some allow for visitors and some collections are exclusively for the corporation. The Swiss bank UBS has 35,000 pieces of contemporary artworks in their collection. They have Basquiat, Lichtenstein, and Wool, just name a few. Their collection has been seen at the MoMA in New York and at Tate in London, but mostly the collections for their employees. Another well-known company, Progressive, which we all see the commercials, the auto insurance provider has collected works as a cultural investment versus being a financial investment. And their collection, they have Richard Prince, Carrie James Marshall, Cindy Sherman, and Kinde Wiley. As Lou mentioned earlier, J.P. Morgan chases art collection dating back to 1950, specifically 1959. And interesting enough, their collection features work from every country they work in. And so the last corporate art collection I'm going to mention, just because there's so many, it's going to be Microsoft. They actually started collecting in 1987, and they have also grown their collection to 5,000 pieces. And all of those pieces are distributed over 180 locations around the globe. The collection is contemporary art, and it includes ceramics, painting, sculptures, multimedia, fiber art, glass, and metalworks. So I can sum up all of the tangents I went on with saying that art collecting is not linear. You can start collecting art and there's not a time period that you have to collect a certain amount of pieces in. And the roads of art collecting go beyond many people's thought process in terms of corporate collections, private museums, personal collections, and then having collections big enough for collection, uh, collection management, working with art advisors, or just personally collecting because you like a certain artist, not always having to diversify your art collection or having to make a public statement or being motivated by the public in terms of the art market and how it fluctuates. Art collecting simply is an internal process, an emotional process. And because of the world we live in, there is a business practice to it, but that shouldn't uh, off-put you from starting your own collection. But it's good to know exactly what it takes to build an art collection and the potential roads for your collection to grow into. Before you go, make sure you check out my website for updates at kyramarrera.info. Check out my Instagram at Confessions of a Gallerina and my YouTube channel, Confessions of a Gallerina, and stay tuned for the next episode. 